Welcome to an exclusive podcast brought to you by VJ Hemonk, an open access video journal that provides healthcare professionals with trusted and up-to-date information in oncology through innovative digital media, including video interviews, podcasts, webcasts, and more. Today, we hear from three AML clinicians discussing trial updates in therapies. First, we hear from Thomas Cluzo of Central University Hospital of Nice, who outlines therapies for poor risk acute myeloid leukemia, including CPX351, a dual drug liposomal encapsulation of cytarabine and darnarubicin. Today uh, in uh, EML MRC and therapy related EML, we could use not new but uh, <laughs> a recent uh, approved uh, treatment uh, uh, named uh, CPX351. Uh, it was uh, um, uh, aracetine and donorubicin uh, liposomal drug. Um, uh, this drug uh, show uh, uh, benefit uh, in uh, um, a complete remission rate, and uh, with this drug, we observe also an increase, a significant increase of uh, overall survival, and uh, a real significant increase uh, of overall survival in uh, uh, allotransplanted patient. Um, recently. Uh, um, we uh, we analyze uh, the CPX351 uh, uh, treated patient um, uh, in France, and we observe also uh, the same uh, results with a complete uh, remission around uh, 60% and uh, median overall survival uh, really good uh, around uh, six, uh, 16 months. Uh, so we confirm. Uh, uh, the data uh, already published by uh, Jeffrey Lancet in uh, GCO. Uh, in the EHA meeting, uh, uh, some uh, presentation uh, were about uh, CPX351 and the most important uh, was uh, the presentation about the long-term follow-up um, of the phase three uh, study uh, showing uh, uh, still an improvement on uh, overall survival after five years. Uh, so uh, it seems that the good effect of CPX uh, stay uh, for a long, a long time and maybe uh, could cure uh, some uh, patients uh, with uh, this uh, high-risk EML. Next. Naval Dava of the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center discusses the phase 1b study of magrolimab, an anti-CD47 antibody, in combination with azacitidine in patients with myelodysplastic syndrome and acute myeloid leukemia. In this interview, Dr. Dava focuses on the safety and efficacy data from the AML cohort. So at EHA this year, we will be, I will be virtually presenting data on a drug that uh, we are very excited about at MD Anderson, and I think in general in the United States as the data continues to mature. This is a uh, immunotherapy drug, a form of a macrophage checkpoint called uh, magrolumab. Uh, the way this agent works is that it blocks CD47 on the surface of the tumor cells. Now, CD47 usually... Uh, works in consort with SERP alpha on the surface of macrophages. And when you have CD47 
on the tumor cell binding to serve alpha on the macrophage, it actually shuts down the macrophage activity. So by blocking CD47, you are removing that inhibition on the macrophages, allowing them to do their function, which is to phagocytize the tumor cells, whether it's leukemia, lymphoma, or others. And, you know, the preclinical data for this agent is extremely robust, probably more than we have seen for any drugs uh, in, in cancer development in general, where we had very eloquent and uh, detailed preclinical analyses done by Dr. Majedi and Wiseman at Stanford, along with their colleagues, and the study now is currently looking at frontline patients in AML-MDS. So there are two presentations of the EHA meeting this year in 2020. Both will be virtual. I will be presenting the AML frontline cohort, and Dr. Salman, my colleague, will be presenting the frontline MDS cohort. So for the AML cohort, we're focusing on patients who are older and considered to be not suitable for induction chemotherapy. These are usually patients who have some underlying comorbidity, poor performance status, organ dysfunction, and would be considered to have a high risk of induction mortality based on the treating physician and the PI's opinion and that given site. Uh, so we have a total of uh, 29 patients that will be presented at the EHA meeting in this frontline AML cohort. This was based on the data cutoff, which was done in February. Uh, we do have more patients enrolled since then and will hopefully be updated at a future meeting. What's important to note is that all these patients are older than uh, 60, and the majority are above 70. The median age is 74, with a range from 62 all the way to 86. And more importantly, this is in general a patient with poor risk cytogenetics and high TP53 mutations. So we had about 72% patients with adverse cytogenetics per the ELN 2017 classification, and about 45% patients who had a TP53. Now, this is definitely higher than the general population, and partly this was intentional. We started seeing high responses and durable responses in TP53 AML, and so the study was actually amended about six to eight months, and all centers now are only enrolling frontline TP53 AML. Also, we know that azavinetoclax does quite well in non-TP53 subsets in general, and so this is one of the other reasons to focus on TP53. So what we're seeing is response rates are high. What's already been reported is a CR-CRI rate of about 60%, overall response rate about 65%, adding a few PRs and MLFS to the CR-CRI. And uh, the safety profile to me is really what's uh, very uh, encouraging with this agent. Uh, so we're not seeing any of the immune-related itis or toxicities that we are used to seeing with PD-1, CTLA-4, TIM-3. Uh, we haven't seen any significant, unexpected, prolonged neutropenia, thrombocytopenia, which is really quite nice, especially in this older, uh, unfit population. And uh, the main thing that we do see is that there is some early onset anemia. This is actually on target. Uh, CD47 in general uh, is not expressed heavily in normal tissue, but it is expressed on the surface of older red cells. And so when we do the initial intrapatient dose escalation, we do see that there is a clearance of the senescent red cells, and then these are replaced by reticulocytosis or younger red cells that are not susceptible to CD47. So usually within the first 10 to 14 days, we do see some anemia, we do have to do a few additional transfusions, and by day 14, this stabilizes and we don't have that problem again. But other than that, safety profile has been quite nice, very similar to azacidine alone, I would say. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, the efficacy rates have been high, especially among TP53 mutated patients. 
we will be showing data. There are not that many patients at this time uh, that we can present the data, but we have 12 patients, frontline TP53 mutated AML, CRCRI rate is 75%, and at a median follow-up of about eight months, uh, we have not had a median duration response reached. And the six-month uh, estimated survival is about 90%. So this actually looks better than azacitidine for sure, but actually also comparing cross-trials, which has its caveats, does look better than what we have been used to seeing with azacitidine minetoclax, where CRCR rates are 50% or so duration of responses four to five months. Uh, so we will continue to enroll, especially for the frontline TP53. Uh, there are actually registrational approaches being discussed right now with the FDA and other regulatory authorities to see how we can um, move this forward in the frontline, unsuitable for induction TP53 AML. And of course, a similar registrational phase three study is started already in MDS, intermediate high, very high IPSSR. This is called the enhanced study, uh, and that phase three is about to open or already open in some sites in US and Europe. So all in all, we are hopeful and excited that we will continue to see very good safety and efficacy with this uh, agent, Mangrolumab plus azacitine. And really, I have focused on immunotherapy for a long time, and this really does seem to be the specific immunotherapy for AML, so we may not be uh, the same as solid tumors for PD-1, CTLA-4, and CD-47 may be the checkpoint that works in our group. Uh, we will see as the phase three studies continue. Thank you. Finally, Andrew Way of Alfred Hospital and Monash University updates us on the phase three study of venetoclax plus low-dose cytarabine in previously untreated older patients with acute myeloid leukemia. Dr. Wei further details an updated analysis of the Phase 1b study with 3.5 years median follow-up, also in untreated older AML patients. The VLEC study is the culmination of uh, several years of clinical research, uh, which began with uh, uh, a Phase 1b2 study, which examined the role of low-dose RSC uh, in combination with the BCL2 inhibitor for patients uh, with AML, uh, predominantly older patients who were considered unfit for intensive chemotherapy. And uh, the low-dose RSC plus uh, venetoclax study uh, resulted in quite promising response rates uh, as well as uh, median overall survival, which led to the development of this uh, pivotal uh, phase three study called VLEC. So VLEC was a multi-center randomized placebo-controlled study which was performed in patients with treatment-naive AML. The patient population included those who were aged 75 years or older, or patients aged between 18 and 74, who were considered unfit for intensive chemotherapy on the basis of at least one uh, specific factor, which uh, defined these people as uh, not being uh, suitable for chemotherapy. The VLEC study also included uh, patients who had prior exposure to hypomethylating agents, and this comprised 20% of the uh, study population. The median uh, age was uh, 76 uh, in this study, and overall, there were 211 patients who were randomised in a two-to-one uh, manner to low-dose RSC plus venetoclax uh, after a dose ramp-up to a plateau dose of 600 milligrams uh, or placebo was the control arm in combination with low-dose RSC. 
The primary endpoint was overall survival, and uh, this presentation at EHA is a six-month updated post hoc analysis. And the final result showed an overall uh, improvement in uh, survival from 4.1 months in the low-dose RNC plus placebo arm to 8.4 months in the venetoclax plus low-dose ROC arm, which was associated with a hazard ratio of 0.7, which means that there was a 30% reduction in the risk of death with a p-value of 0.04. So there was also a statistically superior overall response rate uh, with 48% uh, in the low-dose ROC plus venetoclax arm compared to 13% in the control arm. There was also a superior uh, improvement in event-free survival in patients receiving venetoclax, as well as a higher rate of transfusion independence, improvement in patient-reported uh, outcomes. Furthermore, uh, there was a subgroup analysis done, and there was a particularly uh, promising uh, response rate in patients with the subgroup defined by nuclear phosmin mutation positivity where the response rate was 79% in patients receiving venetoclax plus low-dose ROC. At this uh, meeting, there was also a, uh, an updated analysis uh, of the phase 1b study, uh, now with 3.5 years of median follow-up. Uh, and in this uh, study, it showed that this NPM1 mutant subgroup had a 64% uh, overall survival at two years, uh, which is certainly uh, quite promising. With respect to the RLEC, uh, the main limitation of this trial was that the study did not meet its primary uh, endpoint at the first analysis. However, this first analysis was done with only 12 months of follow-up, and it was only after an additional six months of follow-up that the overall survival uh, outcome became uh, st uh, statistically significant. So why did the uh, VLEC study perhaps not perform as well as had uh, originally been uh, hoped? Well, first of all, uh, it should be noted that 22% of patients failing the control arm with low-dose ROC alone were salvaged with intensive chemotherapy, compared to only 8% of patients uh, uh, receiving placebo. And this may have uh, brought the survival curves closer uh, together. Secondly, in VLEC, the early death rate was uh, 13%, uh, compared to only 6% in the phase 1b study. And so it seems as if uh, in the randomised trial, uh, a sicker population was uh, included uh, in the study. Furthermore, 20% uh, of patients uh, in VLEC had prior hypomethylating agent exposure, and this very difficult and poor risk population uh, was excluded from the VLEA study, uh, which perhaps compromised uh, the outcome with BLEC to some extent. However, for, uh, for many countries where um, uh, azacitidine is not available, the results of the VLEC study are certainly very clinically relevant uh, and important and demonstrate the importance of adding venetoclax to low-dose ROC and the potential to improve a number of clinical uh, parameters, including uh, overall survival. In conjunction with the results of the VLEA study, which will be presented as a late-breaking abstract at EHA this year, uh, venetoclax, uh, I believe, is now firmly cemented uh, as an important uh, uh, and pivotal uh, medication uh, for older patients with AML uh, and the treatment of uh, older patients and those considered unfit for intensive chemotherapy. If you have found this podcast useful, please leave a review and subscribe on your podcast app, including Apple, Spotify and Podbean, so we can continue to deliver expert-led content to you. 
Follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk and join in the conversation. And finally, don't forget to visit VJHemonk.com for all the latest updates in the field.